0: are ridiculous these guys are ridiculous now how about them damn celtics and we are back with another episode of the how about them celtics podcast sam and i are here are excuse me sam and i are here recording on Wednesday, start again number 14th should i <laughs> all
1: right. yeah all right. ready, ready. we're not
0: live <laughs> there, there's all right, all right. All right. And we are back with another episode of the How About Them Celtics podcast. Sam and I are here recording on Wednesday, December 14th, uh, the night after the Celtics beat the Los Angeles Lakers, something I didn't think I'd be saying after they collapsed in the third quarter. Uh, Before we jump into Celtics talk, I did want to say to you, Sam, Sam, I know you are a fan of some TV shows. I actually watched a TV show you mentioned that you watched. Mm -hmm. I watched the first episode. Of what is it called? The Sex Lives of College mm-hmm. Girls? I yes. Watched, <laughs> I watched like the first episode and a half. Oh, very intriguing. Very yes. entertaining. All
1: right. Look at that. I, I'm right. Every <laughs> every single person I know that watches that show loves it. You described it well. You it's fantastic. It well. Everybody, everybody I know that watches it likes it. I, I discovered it last winter with a few friends from the news station. We're all at uh Buddy's apartment building. Mm. and his apartment building was super nice like it had like a theater room like like in the common area almost like like dorms on a college campus yeah and so we're in there and we're using the smart tv and hbo's on there so we go on hbo and that was one of the free to watch things so we watch it and it's like four dudes and we're all just sitting there with our feet up in the theater room watching this teeny (laughs) bopper girl show and it rules we're like oh my god this is so great and i go home. And I watched like the next three episodes. Like yep. I just, I was hooked and they're in the second season. Now I'm waiting for the back half to drop. I watched mm-hmm. the first four and I said, I want to watch the next four all at once. So I'm waiting for it to be over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, like I said, I only watched the first episode and a half, but it's entertaining and it's not something I want to watch with like something in the background. Like I'm, I'm watching the show SWAT right now mm. and I do that while I do work and I kind of do both at the same time, but I, I, I need to find the time just so I can watch it. Cause it's funny. It's entertaining. That is that is uh, a full full attention type show. Yes. You got yes. to sit and enjoy to... it. Taking all the tea. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I need to pay attention. There's so it, it moves so quick. Like in the first two episodes alone it's like whoa, what like there's just a lot thrown at you um but anyway oh, this I is a bomb that I, i'm so excited like i'm all kidding <laughs> yeah, yeah. now i need, uh, I need all to of you that up. wanted me to come on here and bitch i'm sorry <laughs> jack jack has like brightened my mood well <laughs> we'll get into that we can uh well let's just go to the lakers game uh we haven't talked since the clippers game but we, we can kind of lump that in um obviously it didn't go well but lakers game is what's fresh on everybody's mind um I have to admit, in halfway through the third quarter, I'll say, like, start of the third, I had it like, I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to start working and have this on to the side of me. And uh, at one point, I just remember, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm either eating and watching a TV show while the Celtics came to my left or I'm writing. I just look over and I'm like, that's a lot closer than I thought it should be right now. And it, it kind of like, it all happened so fast. It was just LeBron and AD and Westbrook and everybody just getting to the paint, doing whatever they want. Celtics turning the ball over. And, uh, A clear Celtics win, quick, uh, click quickly, excuse me, turned into a clear Lakers win, which then turned back into an overtime thriller. Which, if you're a general NBA fan, it was a great game. I mean, taking off the green glasses purely from the perspective of a general fan, like phenomenal game. I know Sam's gonna disagree because you know we got the green glasses on, but uh, yeah, it, it was wild to say the least. It was one of the crazier games of the season, I would argue the craziest game of the Celtics season so far. It's kind of funny that
1: you said it that way. Earlier today, I wrote about um, some other news that came out of this game, but let's see. From a neutral perspective, this was probably one of the most exciting games of the season. Boston had a twenty-point yeah. re- lead over LA during the third quarter. Then the Lakers ripped off a forty-to-nine run to go up by twelve with four minutes and a half to go. Celtics finish on seventeen to five and force OT. And yeah. I said, if you're a Celtics fan or or you had any kind of interest in the game involved, you were probably sick. As was Marcus Smart, who said that he had to go back to the locker room and uh, vomit.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Marcus was, uh, too, the roller coaster ride was too much for his stomach uh, to bear, Marcus Smart. But uh, yeah, Blue A, was it 20 point lead? I thought it was 19. Regardless, a 20 point Celtics lead was blown uh lakers went on an absurd run i use the word incredible not to give it some like positive connotation but just because like it's incredible that the celtics allowed them to go on a run like that um and then the celtics i would argue their 17 to 5 run like you said at the end of regulation was just as impressive um like i said great game for a general nba fan uh the fact that the celtics pulled it out leaves you with some sort of nice feeling but the general my general takeaway from the game was this was a mess and this cannot happen. Right. It should never have gotten to that. Yep. It was cool to see Tatum take over at the end of regulation. It was cool to see Jalen Brown take over in overtime, but it should never have been there. They should have taken care of business when they had to. And I feel like a lot of Celtics fans feel the same way, but at the end of the day, that is a W uh, in the win column. That is a green dub on the Celtics schedule against the Lakers. So that in and of itself is a victory, but it's tough pill to swallow. Yeah. I'm going to
1: tell you like I was watching the collapse happen and I was like, are they doing this on purpose? Like everything was going (laughs) wrong in a way where it was like, like, I'm like, I I think they're doing this on purpose. They're turning the ball over unbelievably, like consistently, like they're going up the floor every time just handing it to them. They're taking horrible shots. They're not even hitting the rim. They're passing out of layups. There was a play where they were on it might not have been a break, but Tatum got the ball down low with Westbrook on him and no help mm-hmm. around. And he, he passed out of it and they yeah. got nothing out of the possession. And I was like, how are you not going to take a shot there? You're, and this was when they were coming back too. this is when they were down. I want to say five mm-hmm. and they got nothing out of this possession. And they got to stop and then smart hit the three to bring it within two. And I was losing my mind. I was like, are they trying to lose this game? They, It looked like people didn't want to take a shot.
0: It looked like people were like afraid. Everybody.
1: Yeah. The shot selection was so weird when they were going through that spiral. I guess that's Mm -hmm. what happens to you when you're in that kind of mindset and you're, you're shook and you're looking for the the run stopper, but man watching it from the broadcast view and you're seeing all these open guys or good looks that they could have or layups they're passing out of. And you're pulling your hair out on the couch at 1am. I mean, come on brutal, brutal way. To keep me up at night. I mean, first I'm relaxed. I'm like, all right, cool, man. They're going to blow them out. This is what the Celtics needed. Always forgiven. They're just doing everything they can, running the Lakers out of their own building. Then that collapse happens. And I'm like, D-. like that was legitimately maybe the most angry I've ever been like watching <laughs> a game because I hate the Lakers. I hate LeBron. I hate Davis and his whiny dad. I don't like Westbrook. Like there's so many guys on that team that are unlikable then the Celtics are going to let bet. them Pat. I'm actually fine with Pat Pav, but yeah. um, he's out... an unlikable dude though. Yeah. In the NBA landscape. Sorry. Continue. Out of, out of all the like teams, I would want to see them blow a lead like this to the Lakers are the last. Obviously, if you're a Celtics fan, you probably agree, but the state of the Lakers makes it even worse because they're really bad, but there is potential for them to be good, which you saw in that massive run. They put together. They were playing defense. They were getting out in transition. They were probably playing some of their best ball. They just can't shoot the ball, and it really hurts them. But you saw Davis have a monster game. LeBron played like he was young. Like they both. It was got LeBron, 30. Davis, and Russell Westbrook against the
0: entire Celtics roster. Basically,
1: yeah, it was really annoying seeing Westbrook do anything because, <laughs> like, you're like, this guy sucks, man. Like, why is he making hey, big shots?
0: He's been very good off the bench when he he's... made
1: the three to put them up four. Yeah, or, or maybe give him a lead. I don't remember which one it was. Oh no, it was to bring him within one. I'm sorry. I yes. was like, what is going on here? I have like, a, I literally uh, felt like I was watching the Globetrotters to where like <laughs> they let the Washington generals go out and get a big
0: lead and they literally have it scripted so they can come back and win. I have a buddy who I think this might I don't know if this is his first year watching the Celtics. It's his first year like genuinely paying attention to the Celtics, which I feel like could be the case for a lot of Celtics fans out there or Celtics yeah, fans. The but I've never known this uh, This guy's a sports dude. so like, But he, he like messages our group chat last night. He goes, anyone else so sad watching this Celtics game? What, what you know, WTF is this? Does that annoy right? you? What? When people that don't traditionally care about the team act like they're real and upset about it? Sometimes. I mean, I, I know he just watches casually, and, and I know, like, this friend group is starting to actually pay attention more. So, like, I, I understand it. But when people, like... I I find it harder to talk to people like about the Celtics sometimes as I dive deeper into it. But like I've learned how to like I responded with oof, right? Like I I, I don't like it's tough to have like an in-depth conversation. But my point is uh, the thread of messages he sends. The next one is LeBron playing like long LeBron, just driving and scoring. It's insanity. And then this is the moment you're referencing all caps. Westbrook hit a transition three. WTF is happening. (laughs) Yeah, AD, I, I had the same he, thought.
1: I was like, he, "Come on, man! Like everything that could go wrong is going wrong." It was kind of fire in overtime when Westbrook tried to do everything by himself, and LeBron and Davis were too yeah, tired that to was, do anything.
0: That like it was, was actually kind up. of
1: funny. Like he was just like shooting the ball off the backboard, <laughs> and and he's like shooting threes, and the fans are getting like all like antsy when he's have you like, seen the shifting uh, his feet?
0: The meme that Embiid posted on his Instagram hold up, let's let him cook or something like Woody from Toy Story goes, wait a second, let's let him cook. Have you seen Embiid posted that? i didn't i haven't seen him post it but and M- posted that meme and said this was my teammates last night hold up hold up let him cook F- fire and shout out to mb but that's essentially what Re- westbrook did but he forced his teammates to do it he's like no i'm cooking you're gonna watch <laughs> yeah, except
1: like he had a gun like what he has a gun and he's
0: like you're gonna let me cook <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's not just
1: like using his like <laughs> like uh like like stuffed animal toy arm like he has a pistol and he's like all right like Listen, you it's Anthony awesome. Davis, you have 35 points. LeBron, you have 30. Like, I'm going to get mine. I need my triple double. I need to be the hero. I'm going to take a couple threes here. Hey, Celtics fans appreciate it. Oh, I do. But... I got to tell you, I was really annoyed when Pat Bev was making threes. I think he was two for two. I was like, what is going on here? And then, yeah, then but... you have like Grant shooting the ball off the side of the backboard. Or no, that was Brown. <laughs> Brown did. I'm sorry, Grant. Mm hmm mean hey, Grant, not Grant, Brown, Tatum, and Smart all had good
0: stat lines at the end of the day. They did. The road to the Morgan end of the game was, was not pretty, but. No, not at all. Not at all. It was uh, fairly ugly, I would say. Anything but pretty. But they got the win in the end. Jason Tatum finished with 44 points. Jalen Brown had 25 and 15. Marcus Smart had 18, 5, and 6. Uh, great Williams off the bench had 9 points, 5 rebounds. He had an okay performance. He guarded LeBron for a lot of the night, which was up and down. A lot that. of the late game. <laughs> Yeah, it was Actually. it was some success, some non-success. It was it was very him on the you know. final possession of regulation. Mm-hmm. And he he did his job there, but uh I noticed a couple times where LeBron just got right by him and it was, it was not not ideal for the guy, but uh yeah, I mean bad stretch. It was like it was a good game for the Celtics through two and a half quarters and then for a full quarter, like half the third and half the fourth, it was disaster mode and then at the end This is how I phrased it. And I think this, this is how I tweeted I think this encapsulates the team well. You can be, you can win games based on your talent. And I think that's what we saw against the Lakers. They won that game because Jason Tatum is a top five player in the world, top ten player in the world. Jalen Brown is top 20. They have two of the best players on the planet. And they, you know, like the meme says, they let them cook. And they, they did their thing. But talent isn't going to consistently win you games. You win games by consistently playing the right way moving the ball and you know playing within the flow of the offense and that's what the Celtics did for the majority of the season so far but on this west coast road trip they've diverted back to the he goes she goes she goes he goes he goes goes offense right like iso ball Uh, sorry it's a phrase um and, and it, it's failing them, right? They're just saying, okay, Jason, go get us a bucket. Okay, Jalen, go get us a bucket. And that's what won them the game at the end of the Lakers game. And you can win games like that every once in a while because of just how talented those two dudes are. But that's not going to win you a championship. That's not going to consistently win you games. You need to play the right way in order to win. And uh, the Celtics kind of abandoned that on the road trip. And, you know, they, they they managed to get one in the end because of that. But that that's my biggest takeaway from this road trip is that You can't win games just based on talent consistently. You can't every once in a while. And you got lucky against the Lakers because in reality, they probably didn't deserve to win that with how they collapsed. But that's not going to consistently win you games. I will say this when they were playing well, I think on both ends of the game,
1: like like at the beginning and at the end when they played well, I do think they were kind of playing the right way. When they started coming back in the fourth quarter, I felt like the ball moved a bit more. They kind of said, okay, it's time to take it serious now you saw an extra pass to Marcus smart to make the big three to bring him within two. And then of course Tatum got the, the game tying bucket after Davis missed a couple of free throws,
0: granted a big three in OT they, they were getting some yep. good passes. You, you got
1: good contributions from pretty much everybody that was out there down the stretch. Um, but man, it was bad. Like Brogdon was off yesterday. Like he wasn't giving you a lot off the bench when Tatum went out. And the Lakers went on that run like Brown wasn't doing anything. Smart was lost. The amount of travels that were called yesterday was outrageous. I, <laughs> I don't know if, if they were travels or not. Like I wasn't paying that close of attention to guys feet. Um, I'm sure some of them were, it was a but lot it's just stuff. crazy how there are NBA games that are just officiated so differently that game. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to complain. I'm going to complain about the refs. Oh, I'm going to do it. And I hate when people do this, but I'm going to do it. Um, I really feel like the amount of travel calls in that game disrupted the flow and helped the Lakers get back into it. Not to mention the free throw situation for our boy, Tommy. But really, like when you have a game like that and you have so many stoppages in play, it screws with the players. It really does. And and you can ask people they talk about on the broadcast and how a game will have no flow. Yesterday was a game that had no flow. And that's kind of that might be why you saw the crazy runs that happened because of just the inconsistency of the the pacing. It was ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it was frustrating. I was just pulling up the last two minute report. I haven't looked at it yet. I was just, you know, curious. Um, <clears throat> excuse me to see what happened. There was actually only one incorrect call in the last two minutes of overtime and five minutes of uh, or excuse me, the last two minutes of regulation and the five minutes of overtime. Um,
1: was it a missed travel? Which is um, crazy
0: no it was a let me see the only incorrect call or incorrect non-call was a personal foul lebron james like 16 seconds left in overtime like it's Mm -hmm. it's a useless uh thing it was i'm trying to figure this out oh the ref said let let us cook oh it was an incorrect non-call i think they they should have called a foul on LeBron. It was when they fouled JB at the end of overtime to send him to the line. But you know what was the greatest but is yeah. when Tatum tried to dunk on LeBron. and
1: LeBron like pushed the hell out of him in the chest. And then LeBron <laughs> then actually didn't complained. do anything.
0: I understand
1: what he LeBron his was trying to complain and, about.
0: Like, But I was like, yeah. oh, like maybe at a
1: point. Because when, when you watch it in real time on the broadcast, you it doesn't really look like he. arm came out a little. Yeah. Adjacent, but... but then like they showed the slow-mo and he like extends his arm into his chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about Not Tatum, the though, the way he's been able to dunk off two feet this year and explode to the rim? That play when LeBron fouled him was just another example of how great he's been out of getting fed at the nail or or just below the free throw line. Like he's been so explosive out of that, that high paint position. I don't think we've seen that out of him before. That's just something else he's added to his game. Obviously, the floater from that area he's added to and really has been consistent with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he just did everything yesterday. You, you name it, he did it. <laughs> Finally made some threes, yeah. finished around the rim, got to his spots easy. He wasn't turning the ball over much. He passed the ball well. He rebounded well. He defended well. Really was just a complete game all around for him. So so good for Tatum. Talked to the ladies after he made a nice three to put him up 20, and then after that, <laughs> it won all the shit. But, you yeah. know, not bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, r- wrapping up the Lakers game, I don't think they deserve to win it without the collapse. But like I said, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown won. The match. I deserve it. I deserve it. I stay up late deserved, two though. days in a row. I deserve to see a
1: win. Okay. If they well, lost that game yesterday, I would be I
0: would be bullshit today.
1: Oh, I know. I, I, I was I very glad bullistic. they won
0: for the sake of this podcast. I'll tell you that. Well,
1: I, I, I was like when when they were losing, I was like thinking about texting. you be like, dude, I don't want to do it tomorrow. I, I would have had to do it. We would have had to do a show. I would have made you. I would have made you. I've been like, dude, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm so up. mad.
0: No, yeah, it, it was tough. It, it was tough to watch. Uh, The next thing I did want to talk about, um, Jalen Brown. I, I do want to talk about Jalen Brown because there was a while there. There was a few game stretch there where we were saying, okay, Jalen Brown turned the ball over too much. And then we put out a video last week from a podcast that was talking about Jalen Brown's monster season. And he's kind of continued that. Um, he's averaging up near I think what 28 points a night something like that now. Uh, he was took over in overtime excuse me from what I remember he had, I mean he only had five points but they, they only scored 12 so and he scored like, you know, damn near half their points. Uh and I, I don't know. He just looked locked in. And now that I see it here, he only went one for three in overtime, but do you know what I'm saying? Like you just like, they were looking for him, right? Were, I hate that. You ever, you, like, saying, some, you ever start writing <laughs> yeah, something
1: yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh man, like this is a, this is a good point. And then you go and look up the stats and the stats don't match at all. What you're thinking. And you're like,
0: man, <laughs> do you know what, what I'm saying hell? though? Like they gave the ball to Jalen and Jason in overtime and they, they ran the, offense. No, like, yeah, they, they, they did an they, excellent they, job in overtime.
1: Yeah. They, they but, were reliable. They took pretty good shots. I don't remember anything that felt forced. Tatum the other a thing, though, big
0: created shots like he had four time. rebounds in overtime, like like Jalen Brown had a career high rebounds yesterday. He had 15. Uh, he also had five assists and three steals, four turnovers, which isn't great. But in an overtime game, you know, maybe you give him a little slack. I don't know. I've just been really impressed. Excuse me, with Jalen Brown as of late. So uh, I, I just want to shed some light on that. Yeah, he's been pretty good uh, throughout these
1: games where they played poorly. He was a bright spot. Off the top of my head, I don't remember the Clippers game. I don't think either of them played well in that game. But I know against Golden State, he still had like 31 points, and he was the only guy giving him anything that day. Mm -hmm. I mean, Blake Griffin tried real hard, and Brogdon was good in the first half. But throughout the whole game, Brown was the guy. He kept him in it until they weren't. And uh, he kept creating, getting himself to that mid-range where he's been knocked down this year. He hit a couple tough, tough fadeaways on the Lakers yesterday where he was like at
0: a 45-degree
1: angle. Like he he was –
0: he was he's, like, I tweeted out this. I, I tweeted out. I think Jalen Brown's coming for DeMar DeRozan's throne of the best mid-range well, shooter in the
1: NBA. <laughs> well, Come if on. I was in the league, it would be me.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? I, I I think he's ready to challenge DeMar DeRozan for the best mid-range shooter in the league. Yeah. I think those two are up there.
1: Well, you know me. I'm the biggest fan of the mid-range, and I've been complaining about it forever that they don't shoot enough of them because it gives you so much more flexibility on the offensive end. It's not he's only going to shoot a three or he's going to go to the rim. There's that what if he stops and pops? Mm -hmm. You don't see Tatum do that as much. You saw him do it a couple times yesterday, made the big shot over LeBron on the baseline. Of course, made one over Austin Reeves in overtime, but he really is just pretty much shooting threes or going to the rim. There is not a lot of mid range out of Tatum, which I mean, I guess is fine. He's playing like an MVP, so you can't complain that much, Mm -hmm. but it would be kind of cool to see him filter that in just a little bit more. I know we're trying to talk about Jalen Brown, but I brought it back to Tatum, but It's tough to talk about things when they're good, right? I mean, we can talk
0: about Tatum, too. We can just talk about both of them. I mean, Jalen Brown, first off, to wrap up that portion of the conversation, like the mid-range shots he's taking aren't like open mid-range shots either. They're like really difficult mid-range turnaround jumpers, and he's just nailing them. But if you want to talk about Jason Tatum, too, which obviously we should and can and all that stuff, like 44 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists uh, after two pretty bad games from, you know, for, for Jason Tatum, bad Jason Tatum games, I'll say. He <laughs> played bad against the Warriors. He played bad against the Clippers. They're all relative, obviously. He had 18 and 20 in both of them and, you know, 7 and 11 rebounds or whatever. But for Jason Tatum, they were not good performances. He brought it back against the Lakers. I have no problem saying that this is the best duo in the NBA right now. I, I, I think that's – what would you say? I mean, we don't have to, like, go too deep into it, but – let, let's let's have that discussion at the very least right like do you think this is the best duo in the league that's what the numbers say
1: the graphic during the game yesterday said they're the best scoring duo in history mm. uh you gotta win first before you start getting titles like that but right now <laughs> i mean there's not a lot of guys you would take over them yeah sure they just got pieced by a couple of duos but we can sweep that mm. under the rug clay and steph gave them the business then paul <laughs> george and Kawhi gave them the business but that's neither here nor there
0: well, yeah, let's let's, d- let's go through it, right? Like we we don't have to go ridiculously in depth, but we can go through the teams that have a shot at it, and we can no. We can the, talk. They're
1: probably the best. We can go, and I'll tell you that they're better than Giannis and Middleton or whoever whoever else you want to throw out there.
0: Okay, my first one was actually going to be Giannis and Drew because I think Drew okay. deserves that credit this season. But but you'd take well, the then, Jays over that. Oh yeah,
1: I mean it's just tough. Giannis is so much better than just about everyone in the league. Like he's just he's just a step above everybody. <laughs> But Tatum's playing the best basketball of his career. He's an MVP candidate and Brown isn't far behind. He was in the top 10 for the MVP vote. Jeez, MVP vote last time the NBA posted it as well. So Mm -hmm. those guys are both worthy of being above Drew Holiday. And the gap between Tatum and Giannis is not as big as
0: the one I think between Brown and Holiday. I see what you're saying. I'm trying to find a graphic because I saw a graphic, <clears throat> excuse me, about this on uh, on Twitter. And I, w- I wanna pull it up and we can do it that way because it, it broke them down. But um, yeah, okay, here I got it. Let me let me just pull it up on the screen here. Uh let's see. All right. So, so we're, we're just gonna dive into the conversation. The best duo in the NBA, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown obviously deserve to be on the uh excuse me in consideration at the very least. And so let me make sure the image is fully viewable. All right, this is your plug to watch on YouTube instead of the audio platform because we're gonna share share the uh, the screen right now. All right, um, this is not in any order, by the way. I don't think, or maybe it's their list of I in hope order, not. but <laughs> these are arguably the ten best duos in NBA. I'll read them off now: uh, Embiid and Harden, Tatum and Brown, Davis and LeBron, Giannis and Drew Holiday, uh, Kawhi and Paul George, KD and Kyrie, Mitchell and Garland, Morant and Bane, Booker and Bridges, Curry and Wiggins. Uh, you can interchange Bridges for Chris Paul if you'd like. But I think it's because he's been hurt this season. So they threw in Miles Bridges. Uh, excuse me, Mikhail Bridges. But um, what 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 are we doing here? If you had, we don't necessarily have to go through and place them in order. I was thinking of this the other day. But I'm taking Tatum and Brown over and beating Harden. Yeah, I'm sure you agree. You can make an argument, I guess, for Davis and LeBron carried by Davis, but this season it's not particularly close, in my opinion. Uh, I think you know Tatum and Brown—they're winning. I mean, they just beat him yesterday. Don't worry about exactly, it. exactly. I think Giannis and Holiday. Once we get further down this list, but we we can move. <laughs> I think Giannis and Holiday deserve their respect. Obviously, Giannis carries a big part of the load there, but Holiday's been having a great season. Uh, they're probably top five for me. I think in the league, but I, I'd still probably take Jay, uh, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George deserve the credit too. Obviously, they beat the Celtics, so it, it's it's easy to give them that credit. But I they're will not say this consistently, and they're not playing as consistently. That's the biggest thing for me. They're not playing. I will say this. I think Giannis
1: is the only player on this page that I think Tatum isn't better than right now. I don't. I don't even know if that's outrageous to say.
0: Okay. Um. I, I There's really a do. couple guys no, that like, I keep. The way Tatum's been playing this year. I, I know Cur- what you're saying. Curry,
1: maybe I would put above Tatum. I
0: think Curry and Durant are the only two I could maybe give you. Give you Durant's, some... close. Oh, Durant's close. Durant's mm-hmm. close. I, I know Him exactly. Him and Tatum might be at the same level right now. I mean, uh, what outlet was it? I think the Ringer just released their basketball you know, top 100 yeah. list. I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Brown was 20th. He's not 20th. I mean Tatum was six, which is pretty fair ranking for him, I think. Uh anyways, uh we can talk about that too after. But KD and Kyrie, I'd take Tatum and Brown, but that one's I mean you can say it's close. They've been winning lately, so you gotta give them the respect there. I assume you're taking the Celtics duo. Oh yeah.
1: Sorry, I blanked for a second.
0: <laughs> you're good, you're good. Mitchell and Garland, I'm taking Tatum and Brown. Same thing with John Morant and Desmond Payne. I'm taking Jalen and Jason Booker and Bridges. Yep. Curry and Wiggins, maybe, but no. Um Are there any duos they missed on here? I don't think so. No, because uh, Luca doesn't but... play with anybody. <laughs> exactly. Luca or Jason yeah. and Jalen. That's the question. Would, would you rather both or just Luca? Both. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, they're, they're just, just playing
1: so much better than just yeah. about everybody. They lost to that Warriors team and in, in the Clippers on Monday, but man, just about everybody else has been the fly on the windshield. It just hasn't gone well for them.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really know what other arguments you could have. Like I said, I think you could argue for Giannis. I think you could argue for KD and Kyrie, uh, both LA teams. <clears throat> Maybe if they play consistently, you can get an argument in there, but Right now, Jason and Jalen are, are are playing I mean, like that best duo. Well, let's call a spade a spade. The Lakers are twelfth in the West. Like Chuck said yesterday, like like stop, I stop
1: throwing them in every conversation. I'm saying purely it, as
0: a duo, their team stinks.
1: There, but purely there as is a duo. winning aspect to to me saying you're good. There, there of is, course. there always will
0: be. But just to play devil's advocate for the sake of it, I mean, the record is not all Tatum and Brown. Yes, they're playing at all NBA, you know, MVP phenomenal. It's very level. true. But if you put LeBron and A D in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown shoes, you're gonna tell me they're not a top two team in the East still? I think they would be. I'm um, that's I not, think not, they'd not be worse. Jalen. I think I think they'd be worse. I truly think too. they'd be worse and I'm gonna tell you why. Because I agree, but LeBron
1: requires so much of the ball, in, the ball and to be involved in everything. It would take away from the way the Celtics have played this season to where the ball is just zipping around the court. I don't I, think I you agree. can really put LeBron on a team like that and have it work.
0: Because he needs well, to be in control, which is fine. I think he like, would work with the Celtics shooters. I mean, you put those. Shooters, he would work with my the point shooters, is not to argue but he that he would work
1: as much as a as a cog in the
0: machine. I understand what you're saying. My point is not to say that they'd be better with those two than Jason to jail. My point is, if you look at it purely from a duos perspective, you can't really like. You can definitely take the record into account, but considering the Celtics rest of the roster versus the Lakers rest of the roster, one would be a playing team one would be, you know, having Victor Wembenyam on the roster. Well, I'll tell you season. what, uh, <laughs> you
1: know, you got one of those guys in the duo that blew up the roster. So put that, put that in your, uh, uh
0: yeah, you're, you're your right. pipe and smoke it. There you go. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'll give you that. All right. Uh, we can move on from the best duo talk. Um, we can talk about the, so I got next. Okay. You got next. Go ahead. All okay. right.
1: So, uh, the Celtics played very poorly towards the end of this road trip. There's no doubt about it, right? The thing that I think everybody's forgetting about is Al Horford didn't play. And and that's a really important yes. piece to have, despite him not being the MVP candidate on the team or the all-NBA level player on the team. He's the real only center they've had play this season. Cornette is fine in his bench we'll role. Finish the
0: Lakers game with Cornette, we'll put it. You're yeah,
1: you're finishing the Lakers game with Cornette. You played against the Warriors and let them get a bunch of offensive rebounds. Like You, you didn't rebound for shit in Saturday or Monday's game. Yeah. You didn't crack 40 rebounds in either game. And one of them, you only had 31. I don't remember which one, but one of them. It was real bad. They need him there for multiple reasons. You need him to rebound. You need him to be able to shoot. You saw in that Lakers game yesterday, Blake Griffin being left alone, did not take the three. Good on him. Good on him. You don't have to take it every <laughs> single time. But when Al Horford's there, teams can't do that. Jason Tatum's driving to the paint and
0: seeing five guys—that just doesn't happen if Al Horford's out there. I mean, you can look at Anthony Davis's stat line for a reason why they need Al Horford. I yeah, mean, like Anthony Davis is an MVP, you know, caliber player this year. But if Al Horford's there, you can't convince me he puts up thirty-seven on this. out. Well, like, I'm not even done yet. You miss him. Then, Keep going. then you have them playing
1: drop coverage against the Warriors and against the Clippers oh because Blake Griffin can't guard the perimeter. Al Horford can play the perimeter. Listen, Mm -hmm. he's not going to lock up Curry every single time, but he's good enough to where you can actually have him hedge up on the screen and play defense instead of just literally letting them go over and shoot. You're just letting them take wide open mid range jump shots instead of guarding them. That's not going to win you basketball games against two of the best shooters on the planet. Come on. Now, if you have Horford, that's a different game. If they have Wiggins, it's a different game. So, so there's your little chess game. Devil's advocate but it, in all in all seriousness, they really miss him. He's so versatile. He's so good. I'm. I was writing about it today, and I need to finish it up after we're done here. But they really miss him. They missed him, and and I think it it kind of hurt him big time in these last three games, even though they won against the Lakers. And I kind of went off on Tim yesterday in the chat because I he was like, well, to be fair, they don't have. This is when they're blowing the lead. It, to be fair, they don't have either of their big guys. And I'm like, Tim, I don't care. They were up twenty. <laughs> like you got there without them i don't care it's different than the but, other games where they just never really were in the game and it's like okay then you could be like if you plug horford in maybe it's different but like you showed you could be up 20 on the lakers without either him or rob so just play
0: yeah no no i totally agree i mean you can see the absence of al horford in the way the celtics play uh, and to be at their best, they need him in the lineup. And even saying, you know, oh, if they have Rob back, it'll help. <clears throat> even when Rob is in the lineup and Horford's out, you're still going to notice a difference. The, everything Al brings is unlike anything else. Any of the Celtics big men on the roster, including Rob, can bring to the table. You need that defense. You need that presence down low. You need that shooting. I mean, shooting 46.6% from three this year on four and a half, four point four 4.4 attempts per game. It's crazy. This year, it's, it's ridiculous. Like he's taking... Al Horford is six foot eleven. He's taking three two point shots a game this year. That's it, which is crazy. And I know you can have your great In a perfect with that. Perfect world, that's not what's happening. But you know, you got to take the record with <laughs> but what it comes with. He's averaging ten points, six rebounds, three assists per game on fifty four forty seven sixty five <clears throat> shooting from. Uh, excuse me, no, not sixty five. Uh, what's his free th- three throw percentage? Sixty three. But he's only shooting half a free throw a game, so he's not I getting will say
1: line. this is um. Horford is still playing inside, just on the defensive end. He, yes. he doesn't have to play inside on the offensive end. That's not what they want him to do. Exactly. But he can very much still play the big man role. He has the in the past. End. I mean, he he's
0: he's getting into the post. He's shooting those hook shots. Like, when he does shoot a two-point shot, it's going in. He's shooting 65% from two-point land this season. Like, he's a very efficient player, which is what you need from him at this point. In his Cornette, career. He doesn't also need to very a big efficient. Role. That's
1: why he he's is. playing so well and he's so important to the Celtics. He is, and, and that makes
0: me question. Obviously, yeah. he can't bring what, sorry, not to cut you off. Obviously, no, Cornet can't bring, <laughs> obviously, Cornette can't bring what Horford does in the defensive end in terms of his versatility, but like, let him shoot some threes, man. Like let him play what Horford does on offense. Like it's not going to be perfect. And he was battling on the inside against the Lakers. He was helping get some offensive rebounds. He saw it against the clips. He saw it against the Lakers, mm-hmm. but like, let him shoot some threes. He's not a great three point shooter. He's not gonna shoot 45% like Al, and even 45% is just cutting out. short. He's shooting 47, but, like even if cornet can shoot like 36 percent from three like let him take one or two a game like i think that floor spacing could really help open things up when horford is out and again not gonna bring you the defense just a thought just a thought but like you've been saying horford i kind of think there's no reason to force that though i don't think it's a horrible idea i don't think, but he's, I think it's I think he's not playing a matter-
1: so well in the role they're asking him to play and he's shooting yeah. so efficiently and he's so reliable under the basket And like you said, he's been so good on the glass. I mean, he's getting put
0: back tips
1: like it's nothing. I see what you're saying, but move him out of there.
0: Because we're talking about how having Al Horford on the floor opens up the paint for Tatum. There's not a bunch of guys on him. Like we just said that in the Lakers game, like they were getting to the paint and everyone's collapsing. Even having Cornette on the three-point line and just shooting one or two a game, like when he gets in there and he has the time and he gets the ball, like it'll at least have defenses pay attention to him on the three-point line a little. So That's it changes true, the way they play Tatum. But it's also different, and they don't have
1: five guys on Tatum when he drives when Cornett's on the floor because he's actually he's actually a threat to finish around the rim. Blake Griffin's standing out on the three-point line, but he's just not that reliable from out there. So so that they can have that more leeway. They if Cornette's underneath and it's the same with Rob, they still have to cover him. They can't just completely leave him. But if he was on the three point line, you may actually see them leave him more until he starts and let him shoot it.
0: I think then let him shoot it. And I, I understand. I mean, getting back to where we were and we can keep talking about this instead of Luke Cornette. Like I understand you can't replace Al Horford, but I'm just saying, you know, don't don't tell him he can't shoot. Let him shoot one or two. Like let him let him get dip his feet into the I, feet. I am
1: not opposed to him shooting, by the way,
0: but I'm just saying that that's why I think it works. And and
1: I'm really happy it's been working because it, it makes me feel better about back. He's Rob good in the dunker back. spot.
0: Like Cornet's been great in the dunker spot. Like you did yeah. to him off low. So I I, I know what you're saying. I, I I agree. But anyways, around Al Horford, you can't replace him. <laughs> he you no. like uh, that's why a part of me is kind of worried for when his contract is up and he retires. Like I'm, I'm worried for the succession plan at Mal Horford because they're going to have to drastically. Well, You got a couple it, more
1: but... years. He, he yeah. signed an extension.
0: You're right. So we can, uh,
1: we, I like it.
0: That happened for a second. I was like, Oh man, like, right. Jack's right. They're going to have to pay him this summer. Two more years, two more years on a very good contract. I was here saying he's going to get 15 mil. 10 mil a year for two years is uh, even at his well, age. I'm happy age. to
1: be right this time. Last time I thought he would take a pay cut and he left. This time I thought no, he would he take did. a pay cut
0: and he stayed and <laughs> took the pay cut. <laughs> he did it. He did it. Shout out to him. Uh, and, you know, congratulations to Al Horford for having a kid as well. Yes, <laughs> There you go. Another out. one. I don't know how many yeah. it is.
1: I was writing about I it today either. and I didn't know what number it was. So I just wrote it in a way where I didn't have to mention the number.
0: <laughs> I don't know either. That's the key. kind of. I think it's five. Maybe. Wow. I didn't know it was that much, but I don't know if that personal just a, reasons for some explained. reason
1: I have a, like, like that's my gut is fine.
0: Mm. We were all co- not complaining, but confused when he went from, you know, health and safety to personal. But, Anytime uh, I see personal, I just assume it's that. Yeah. Na- well, now you do. Cause we've had three in the last, like, I, I always assume it's that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean the Celtics alone in the past, however many months, Derek white, personal reasons in the playoffs, yep. Luke Cornette, personal reasons pulled from the game, Horford, personal reasons, the Everyone Cornette one was kidding. scary because they, like, yeah, yeah. pulled him off the bench.
1: <laughs> that yeah. one I didn't think it was a kid. I was like, what the hell going on with this guy? He's got, like, a hit on him or something. They're telling him to get out of the building. Like, he just run away from the bench.
0: <laughs> duck and cover Luke Cornette. Uh, the next thing, uh, I wanted to touch on Derek White a little bit because uh, he was on a slump. He was on a big slump there for a second. He brought it back against the Lakers. He ended the Lakers game shooting. What was it? Uh, two for four from three, so another solid game. But for a while there, the games leading up to that, he was three for nineteen. I think the stat was like it was it was rough. Uh, and yeah. the funny part is, I have been slowly listening to that JJ Redick pod with him. Like I, I'll listen in the car when I get in. I just I don't and know. You go in the car for home. 10 minutes a day. Yeah, I go to Starbucks, ten <laughs> minutes, come back. <laughs> That's a, you have turned that, your back on Duncan. Awesome. I, I did both today. Not for both? me. My mom in likes Duncan. Yeah, yeah, my mom likes Dunkin' better, so I got her a coffee at Dunkin', but I wanted Starbucks, so I just went to both. People, please, are here. Uh, so I got uh, – I, th- is, is, I, I told Zoe what I got. She told me it was fruity. I got a <laughs> caramel brulee latte from Starbucks. And it, it sounds a lot. I, let me tell you, man, that is, that is fire. Is very, I've been very doing good. the peppermint mocha at both. Mm, I'm not a peppermint guy. You see, uh, t- I, I it can't. tastes
1: like, like mint ice cream,
0: like chocolate. Milk. I don't know. I don't know I like that, but peppermint's always—I don't want to say scared me, but I've always turned my head away. Scares you a little bit. No, I said I didn't want to say that's the wrong word. What I meant well, to it say came is to I'm mind. Always,
1: like, <laughs> like afraid of like the the. No, the what I meant to say is it like
0: cane or, or the mint. I don't love it because it tastes a little bit like toothpaste to me, and that's like I associate the word peppermint like flavors with that, and so I just kind of like eh. like I turned my head away. Scared is not the right word. I like kind of like I like turned my head away at it, but. Anyways, en- enough Starbucks. We can get back. <laughs> Let me restart the Derek White conversation that I, I was going to have. Um, he shot three of 19 for a few games there on the West Coast road trip. He brought it back against Lakers two for four. Uh, like I said, I was what started the Starbucks conversation was I was listening to the podcast with JJ Reddick on my way to Starbucks. Uh, and during that talk, JJ Redick was talking about how on fire Derek White had been from three. Uh, and then he followed it up with, I think I just said the word no hitter. So if Derek White goes on a shooting slump, you know who to blame. Uh, lo and behold, <laughs> JJ Redick, uh, you can blame him for the Derek White shooting slump. But he, like I said, he brought it back. I think that's such a and shout out to Jimmy J. If you're listening to this, Jimmy J, the Derek White hater for the past few games because of the three point shooting. Uh, I, I think that's a really good indicator to how the Celtics offense can fluctuate. Uh, and I, I want to focus on Derek White because I think he's the perfect example, but <clears throat> on a larger scale. All it takes is one shooting slump for the Celtics offense to, I don't want to say collapse, but, you know, if Derek White is having an off night as the same, you know, on the same night as Grant Williams and Brogdon and Marcus Smart, like cold nights happen for every team in the NBA, but for the Celtics who rely so heavily on the three-point shot and more importantly rely on their offense over their defense on most nights, like that can kill you. And it did against the Clippers and the Warriors, and the drop coverage you talked about was a big issue too, but Derek White shooting the ball well, It's kind of like a, I can't think of the word, but it is like a smaller example of the bigger example that is the Celtics offense. And so to see him turn it around is great. And he can do a lot of other stuff on the court, right? This isn't me trying to take a dig at Derek white. Like he handles the ball. Well, excuse me. He's, he defends. Well, Nikias Duncan put out his, you know, quarter season awards and he was all defensive second team, according to him. So, you know, he does a lot of good things, but him shooting the ball as well as he has this year is very important. And it's not just Derek White having a miraculously good year. It's because the Celtics offense gets him open. And so if the Celtics offense is diverting back to this isolation, Derek White's not going to get as clean looks. And you saw that he's taking some tough shots. They need to get him open in the flow of the offense so he can get those clean looks. And I think his struggles speak to Celtics, excuse me, Boston's offensive struggles. So that, that was just a long-winded way for me to say that. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's It's really a luxury that he's stepped up so big from three this year. He's shooting a career high, if I'm not mistaken, over forty percent. And when he's been off, it's made a difference because he has made some big shots so far this season. He's made a lot of clutch threes. It feels like I know against the the Nuggets, he made or not Nuggets, sorry, Chicago. He made a big one when they won at the Garden to Mm -hmm. make it five. With I think in one of the Miami games, he had a big made one in one of those games. He might have made one against Philly even though that game wasn't mm-hmm. that close. Yeah. he He's just been really reliable and somebody you can count on. And it's been different than last season because last season you didn't have that. You didn't have that reliability. He wasn't a rock like he is now. Now he's take it to him in the corner and it should be in. Hopefully that mm-hmm. shooting slumps behind him. Three of 19 is a rough stretch. We saw Tatum go like O of 20 last year or the year before. Mm-hmm and then insist on taking a three for the win, which is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. Um, (laughs) And and I'm still not over it. But Derek White is a player that I don't remember who it was against. I do know. Oh, was it the
0: Knicks? No, I don't think it was the Knicks. Was it the Heat game? It might have been one of the Heat games. Those games stand out to me. Anyway, sorry. Continue on Derek White. I didn't mean to distract you. Now I'm curious,
1: but Derek White has been such a luxury, and he's someone that needs to keep shooting and and stay confident because his role in the offense is so pivotal to how well the team can play when he's making threes. it's so much harder for the defense to guard the team and he has been all season.
0: Yes, I agree. sorry, I was just marking that for a short, you know, quickly plugging. I to knew it was gonna to be, be a short. Point. I was really trying hard, <laughs> but um, my point Let's is I, I think this is are you looking for the Tatum thing now? yeah, just keep talking. i'm 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 gonna find it. You're good. My thing is, so excuse me, I have the hiccups today. It's brutal. Um we're talking about Derek White as a indicator of how well the Celtics are gonna play. when Derek White shoots above forty percent, these only he shot exactly forty percent once and it was lost. so we're gonna discount that. So when Derek White shoots above forty percent from three in a game, so I'm talking three of seven, two of four, three of six, two of four, one of two just. Above 40%, the Celtics are 14 and one this year, right? Right. So, like, pretty good when he shoots well from three. When he shoots 33% or below, f- what is this? One, two, three, four, five of their, how many is it, losses have come when that happens? Five of their seven losses have come when he shoots 33% or below. And, you know, they are two and two when he doesn't make a three in a game, right? So, it's not, all on Derek White. This is just like, again, I'm saying his three-point three shooting performance, and usually whether or not the Celtics have it that night, because of the way their offense plays, right? This isn't saying, you know, Derek White doesn't shoot well, the Celtics are going to lose. Because usually when Derek White shoots well, that means the offense is playing the right way because Derek White is getting open shots. And so if the offense is playing the right way and Derek White is getting open shots, then the Celtics play well. And the Celtics win. And so that, that's why I kind of look to Derek White as an indicator of, are the Celtics playing the right way? Because if they are, he's getting open looks, he's making his threes. And if they're not, <clears throat> then they're not. And of course, there are going to be nights where he doesn't make his open threes and that those are, you know, outliers or whatever. But for the most part, he's been very consistent this season and D. White deserves a ton of credit. Derek White, his top seven plus games, right? Like he's just been phenomenal. He's been a, a positive asset in 21 of the Celtics' what is it 29 games they've played he's been phenomenal this year not enough good things can be said about Derek white so i just wanted to show starter him here, bench doesn't matter him. he's still solid exactly exactly so i just wanted to briefly talk about the shooting thing because he, he brought it back against the lakers and he was slumping there for a hot minute <laughs> it was uh it was rough it was rough to watch but um uh the the last thing i have on here that i think was Somewhat interesting. I mean, I have what did you learn from the road trip, but I think we touched on that. I want to talk about Blake Griffin versus Cornet. Um, because I saw some people calling for, oh, you know, this is why Luke Cornet needs to start now. And Griffin was great in these times, but I I understand the desire to run with Luke Cornette over Blake Griffin, but I think it needs to be matchup based. And I think Missoula needs to kind of I don't think he should just go to Blake Griffin when Horford is out, if that makes sense.
1: I do. I do.
0: Really? I I, th- I think it's important to
1: keep guys in the role they're usually in. So I think bringing Cornette off the bench is just something they should be doing. He's getting accustomed to coming in the game and playing in the minutes he's playing instead of getting thrust into the starting lineup and having to play with the, all the starters instead of playing with some bench guys, some starters. It okay. sounds kind of dumb when you say it out loud like that, but there really is a difference to it. He has a chemistry with the guys he's playing with all the time. Look at Grant Williams. When you put Grant Williams in the starting lineup before, I don't know, maybe like a month ago, he would do nothing. But when he would come off the bench, yeah. he'd be so great. He'd be consistent. He'd be getting to his corner and getting open looks. But when he was in the starting lineup, he was ineffective and just wasn't really getting a lot of shots at all. So I think leaving Cornet on the bench is perfect for him because he stays in his role. He gets the same kind of looks he's going to get in a normal game. And by starting Blake Griffin, you get him some run. You get a guy that's playing hard. He's not going to be an all-star center for you. You saw it kind of hurt them against the Warriors, hurt them against the Clippers, but it's, it's just what you have mm-hmm. to do. That, that's why he's on the team. A week ago, we were raving about it. I mean, what do you want? On?
0: I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, I lied though. There, there is one more thing that I do want to talk about. Is it time to question Joe Missoula no. <clears throat> is the topic I want to talk about. No, let me they explain, lost two though. games. No, no, no. Let me, let me explain. Let me explain. I'm not saying, you know, fire him. I'm not saying, you know, do this, do this. I'm just saying for the big portion of the season, it was all Joe Missoula can do no wrong, right? It was Joe Missoula is perfect, and I'm not saying you said this. I'm just saying, like, Joe Missoula is perfect. The offense is amazing, blah, 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 this and that, this and that. And I think you've started to see some of the potential flaws. And I love Joe Missoula. This isn't me saying I hate him. This is just me pointing out some of the things that I think could be called into the question. Not necessarily calling him into question. Maybe that was a bad way to phrase it. But calling some of his decisions into question. <clears throat> First of all, drop coverage against the Warriors and the Clippers. I mean, come on. I know you don't necessarily have the personnel to play switch because Blake's in the starting lineup. But you could have tried something a little different. Run a zone. You know, run a box in one. Run run something. You can't that's play not... <laughs> a zone against a
1: team like that.
0: Hey, <laughs> you can't do all, it. All, hey, all I'm saying is run anything but what you were doing because what you were doing was so clearly it's not. It's true. Right. That's true. Um, that's the first thing. Right. And especially against the Warriors, against the Clippers, whatever. I mean, they were making freaking everything anyways. But against the Warriors, the way they, they were defending, they figured it out by the end of the game where they were playing more switch and just running Grant and Tatum at the center. He <coughs> should have done that sooner. But anyways, like they were even trying to switch Blake at one point. Like that's how bad it was in the drop. Um, another thing uh, is the biggest thing I've seen. And Keith Smith complains about this on Twitter all the time leaving the starters in till the like the, the last that's frame fine of the you can game, complain about right? that. that <laughs> like, that's one thing you can complain about that's what clearly are we? on him that's his decision so <laughs> what are yeah, we doing fine. Joe like I, he said I, I'm trying to be a player's coach Jalen Brown is defending it saying you know I, I thanked him you know it was cool for him leaving us in letting us you know figure it out from there his argument on it is effectively um you know, I-, I want them to be prepared for late games. I-, I think the athletic put out a piece. I don't know if it was Jared Weiss or Jay King, but it, uh, saying you know I want them to be prepared down the line. So you know, leaving them in in these situations will do it. But you're down 20 to the Clippers. Take them out. Like like, th- there's just no point. And. I'm not saying it's a direct correlation because he was obviously under the weather, but playing Marcus Smart for however many minutes he played against the Clippers, maybe that, that's some of the reasons why he vomited the very next night. Right, And I'm not blaming Joe for Smart throwing up. That's stupid. But the point is they were exhausted by the end of that Lakers game. They had to play an overtime game on the second night of a back-to-back, which was enough trouble as it is. And if both of the games were close, that's fine. You deal with that. But when one of them is a blowout and you're playing the guys in the fourth quarter anyways, Jason Tatum at the end of last year's finals run was complaining about being tired. And you're going to run them for 37 minutes in a blowout game that was over by the fourth quarter on the first night of a back-to-back. And then the second one in disastrous goes into over, like, again, I'm not here to say fire Joe Missoula, but why? Like, <laughs> it just, I don't get it. it I think that's the only real it's, fair it's
1: criticism silly. is he was leaving the starters. in. I have bitched about it before too. I don't blame him when they lose so much. I think that's just more of yeah. Tatum wasn't good in those games. And, when you don't have your MVP caliber player playing at his high level, it's tough to win. When you don't have your starting center, it's tough to win. You have to play Blake Griffin, who can't really defend the perimeter. It's tough. Um, the team has the best record in the NBA. There's really no reason to get on Missoula's case besides him playing the starters too much, I guess. I, I do think that's a valid gripe. But besides that, like, what else do you want out of him? The guy was thrust into the role a month before the season. He's really done just about everything right. Yeah. We all complained that he wasn't calling timeouts and the players seem to love it. And it seems to pay off. So you, you got to trust him to some now, degree. And I don't think I,
0: I understand the timeouts philosophy, but like some, I don't love it. I don't always love you, it. You got to do it right. And it's not saw, hurting I, them. Very rarely I, is it hurting them. It's not hurting them. And this is the argument I made for the turnovers. Cause I wrote about the turnovers before they came a big issue. And maybe I'm, you know, some, uh, genie who predicted the future or, uh, fortune teller or whatever you want to call it but it's not hurting them in the win-loss column but it's hurting them in how easy these games are for them you know what i'm saying like letting a team go on a for pulling numbers out of my ass like i'm gonna make up numbers letting a team go on a Let's say 40 to 9 sure that but I, I wanted to create a comparison so letting a team go on a 20 to 5 run versus a 10 to 5 run you know what I'm saying? Or, or a 10-3 yeah. to three run or something? No, like, there, there's, there's definitely big differences in there.
1: I agree, and that's why I was against it early on. I don't think it's not hurting them in the win-loss column. What you said isn't always you know, going to be the, the answer. Not going to always be where you find your data. But at the same time, I have felt more confident in the Celtics team holding a lead than any Celtics team in a very long time. Sure. I don't feel like they're blowing leads. They're obviously not losing a lot of games. Last night was an outlier in terms of blowing the lead. I just, I, it's, it's funny. You don't think it would work like this, but they are blowing less leads when the coach isn't calling a timeout. And if that's what's going to make it work and where I don't have to sit there and worry once they get up 14, 15 points in the third quarter, then I'm all right with it. Fine. Don't call a timeout. I don't care. Less, less commercial breaks, less time sitting there watching the game. <laughs> if if I'm trying to go to bed, like,
0: man, I don't I understand. It doesn't bother the other thing me is though. I think it was John Corrales who made this argument or maybe it was someone else. I don't remember Um, at the very least call it a timeout to rest. Like if not to stop a run, like if you're going to play them 35 minutes, maybe just use your timeouts to give them some breathers, Joe, like, like that's my other thing. And I understand wanting to keep them in a rhythm. And one of his arguments for leaving them in the Clippers game so long was so they could find their rhythm again, but I don't know, give them rest. And another thing that I've noticed, I don't know if you have before we move on. Kind of worked. They came out really hot on, on sure. Tuesday. It did. <laughs> they refound it. But the other thing, I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, I haven't seen a lot about it. He doesn't really use his challenge a lot ever. And sometimes it's not necessary. The challenge like, you is don't, tough. The challenge it is real tough. To use it. I know. But, like, I'd rather you use it in the third quarter. It, it, it's, it's very tough. And this is for every team. I'd rather you use it in the third quarter than not use it at all. But at the same time, if you use it in the third quarter, you can't use it at the end of the game i don't know like like and if if anything just use it for the sake of using it even if you know you're gonna lose it use it oh I just like well no i let me finish my thing if you have a timeout to burn anyways use it and use it for the sake of a timeout or or at the end of the game use it if you're gonna call a timeout anyways right if they need a breather you need to talk about a play incoming use it there instead of using a timeout at the end of the free throws right I, i i don't know like it's not a big thing. And obviously it's, it's a very difficult thing for every coach, but like, I don't know, like there, there's some plays where I, I just feels like, and it's because he's such a new coach. I just feel like he's a little hesitant to pull the trigger. Like a look back at his team. And by the time he like makes a decision, they'll already pass the ball. in. But again, that that's a very minor one. The main gripes for me are timeouts are third on my list. Second on my list is the, uh, the drop defense, like change it up. Like, I, I don't know Throw something else in there And number one, though, is the player minutes. Like, that that that's the thing that gets me. but anyway hindsight's
1: 2020 with the challenges the challenge <laughs> is the toughest yes. thing in the game for me because as much as i hate seeing them get hosed on a call in well, the early third quarter and it might be a big swing in the game you never know when it's crunch time and they really screw up a call because well, they're,
0: they're not reviewing stuff in the final two minutes anymore you have to challenge <laughs> her it's just that's what it's yeah. gonna be yeah i mean Jason Kidd mocked Luka Doncic fortune of the night. Cause he's like, Luka was calling for it in like the second quarter or like he was calling yeah, for like they, two minutes. After they the tip. love the,
1: the yeah. twirling the and finger. Jason
0: Kidd mocked him and Luka came back with, well, if you win it, you should get another You Should I agree. And then Jason Kidd followed up with, well, yes, but then we'd be playing for four hours. <laughs> so it's true. So it, it's, it's a fine line, but I'm not actually upset with Joe for that. I'm just trying to think of things that I've noticed. And that was one thing that I did want to mention. Uh, but anyways uh i think that about wraps it up for me at least i don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about i know no, on pregame I mean, the other day you mentioned a complaint nothing i'll nothing save you it remember. for the stream
1: tomorrow because we're doing a All stream right.
0: yeah we'll plug that now uh we are going to start doing how about them celtics live it's not going to be on the podcast feed or, or some will just to cross promote them but for the most part our our live streams are just going to be for youtube facebook uh and other things like that like we're just doing a live show to connect with the audience. We have a great chat in our pregame shows, which you should also tune into. We're live on the YouTube channel, 30 minutes for every Celtics game, but we're going to go live on some of these off days uh, now and again, so we can, you know, connect with the audience, create a sense of community. It'll be fun. We'll talk Celtics, Uh, but yeah, check out that. Check out the pregame um Doing a lot of cool stuff. Check out the shorts, the videos, everything on the YouTube. We're really putting a lot of you know time into that, which is it's it's good. It's it's fun to promote. We it's appreciate y'all on the support. Too, you know, we're growing. Exactly. Yeah. uh But yeah, I I think that about does it. So I'll let uh, I'll let Sam wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're watching, you're on our YouTube channel. How about them Celtics pod or however you have it now? If you put in how about them Celtics? How about them up. Celtics? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. We we come up. You'll see us, two of us, very handsome on the sh- on the channel. Uh, make sure you leave a like, subscribe, comment, tell us we're handsome. You don't need to tell us we know. Uh, But if you're on the streaming services, you can follow us and leave a nice review, five stars, and you can get all the podcasts right to your streaming app, whichever one you use. If you want more, you can follow us on our socials at How About Them C's, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. How About Them Celtics podcast on Facebook. Make sure you leave a like there because we're putting everything there. If you don't want to use YouTube and you happen to be on Facebook, you can chat in our pre games there as well. Um, aside from that, you can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Simone NBA. He's doing all kinds of writing, sharing it. Celtics blog pieces coming left and right, and you got me at Sam Lafrance NBA. Hardwood Houdini pieces coming out. That's it for us. Bye.